0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another version edition of Bill Roden on Sports. Here, broadcasting high above the fray in Harlem, USA, uh, with my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy.
1: Another hot day in New York. But a little better. No better. So you know, I'm back up here in Harlem once again. You know, all the way right. from Brooklyn. All the way from Brooklyn. All, you know, you
0: don't, you don't get combat paid for that, by the way. No, nothing. <laughs> no. Okay. No. but, but Damn. Hey, Brooklyn. Although that that is that is a long way to go, that 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 is, uh, um, but we've got um, you know this is our Olympic, in honor of the Olympics, this is our Olympic edition, and we are very blessed and honored to actually have someone who was um, uh, involved in the Olympic movement as a gymnast, a Hall of Fame gymnast. Um, our guest is Wendy Hilliard uh, from Detroit, Michigan. Um, but Wendy, I, actually, Wendy and I have been friends for quite a long time. In fact, I didn't pull up, so I think I actually wrote a story about you for the time at some point, didn't I? could have, I, yeah. I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Wendy Hilliard was the first African-American to compete in rhythm gymnastics internationally in 1978. It was an international competition. Uh, she made the, the national team. She was the first African-American to compete in um, rhythmic gymnastics on a national team. She was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2008. She's coached uh, – I can't pronounce his name. Um, uh, Alianne. Alian, Al- Alian. Yep. Baccaro. Help me, help me out here.
2: Alian Baccaro Wilson.
0: Yeah, and what did she do? What was her uh, – you coached her. Was yep. that the fir- your first really kind of big-time gymnast that you – It
2: was my second. Yeah, I had another uh, international gymnast, but she made the group routine. And uh, so – I she was went to the international United Nations International
0: School. Ah, ah. And also and uh this is kind of kind of speaks to how uh you know, we, we kind of shoot off the cuff here. We're also joined by T J Winfrey, who's from Detroit, by the way.
3: That's right. Yeah. Detroit's uh,
0: in the house. Detroit's the two people in Detroit. <laughs> That's our quota by the way. No more <laughs> two people. Uh, but uh T J uh it's we just met today that I'd heard from. Uh, TJ uh, went to the University of Michigan, undergrad, and this week, I guess, what, Sunday? Sunday. is it, it, going to be his first day uh, at Columbia Business School. That's right. And he came up to Harlem USA just so we could talk because he wants to, he formerly worked at Nike, but he, he wanted to talk to me about getting into the business. Little did he know we are going to make him be on <laughs> our podcast, and uh, actually, he's going to be a sound technician, too welcome to the show tj <laughs>
3: thank you thanks for having me
0: yeah sure oh so we'll we're we'll working man we're gonna you know we'll be you know you can say stuff be prepared be prepared yeah we don't know where <laughs> it's <All right>. going. <laughs> but um anyway so yeah so listen wendy you know um you you essentially just came back from rio you, you, you went to rio and uh, I'm very, we've heard all kinds. Of, you, you're not infected with the Zika virus, are you? No. You would come here if you were, right? I
2: wouldn't, but I, I can't
0: also go to Miami, so let's exactly. be clear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, all the talk about Rio, and it was right, right. in Miami. But uh, tell me, what was, um, just tell me what the scene was like before we get into gymnastics. What was, what was Rio like? What was the scene like?
2: Well, Rio is a beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous city. Um, all the mountains, all the water, uh, the feel, the energy was wonderful. For the Olympics, uh, first thing I went with my husband, Bobby Mintz, and the first thing he saw was all the armed guards. I mean, you couldn't wow, walk really? 10 feet without seeing somebody uh, with a gun. So, you know, for us, safety was fine. But for the Olympics, it was a really interesting place to be. It's their winter time, and so the weather, for the most part, was really beautiful. And, you know, the venues, the sports were fine. Transportation was a little wonky, but if you had to be lucky... But as Olympics go, and this was my ninth summer Olympic oh, game, wow. so I wow. know how these Olympics work. And th- what the most important thing is for the athletes it was great. And so I had a very enjoyable time in Rio. I think so far so good.
0: Well, it's just about over. I mean, so. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the talk of the Olympics, I mean, uh, I think gymnastics was sort of, we were supposed to do well. We mean the United States. Supposed to do well. We did well. Um you you've seen you seen gymnastics up close and personal, though you're a rhythmic gymnast uh, gymnast. You 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 studied this and you've seen the growth of it. Just just give me your um expert analysis on on our team. Our team our, our team did, particularly Simone Biles, I guess he clearly was a star of of the games. I mean there right. or, or um, Phelps or Usain Bolt. but uh you know You know what did what did you you think what have you thought about her? How long have you known her? And what did you think about her performance?
2: Well, let's start with the whole U.S. team, and that was the most thing. Mm. The U.S. team has never been this dominant. Mm. So when I started years ago, and I've done all the tours, I know all of the top gymnasts. It has never been the the point where the US women I mean they won by points and points and points it was one of those things that everyone was so good I called them the dream team because they were just that dominant so it was the first time the US women had been such dominant uh, as a team and then individually Simone Biles is in a spectacular athlete let's mm-hmm. you just put it out there she her talent her difficulty which is the main thing so when you do gymnastics you kind of have two scores is what your difficulty level is and then how you execute it. And she does both, but her difficulty level is off the charts. Mm. So she could have even, she won the individual all around without really making any major mistakes. She could have made one or two mistakes and still won the all around because right. her difficulty level was so high. Right. So the, here's the thing. And I said this going into it, she's an exceptional athlete, everyone knew it, but you have to hit on that day. In gymnastics, it doesn't matter. You don't get two tries, you don't get to do your beam routine again. You have to hit it that day. And the pressure of the Olympics is like no other. Remember for gymnastics, that's it. We can't do it next year. Right. It's You have to wait four years if you don't do it on the day that you have to do it. And she delivered. For one, the whole team delivered. Those girls, young women, were masterful mm. in their focus. And I don't think people realize how the margin of error the beam is only four inches wide right. let's say you, you can't you know in basketball you can miss a couple layups and still win <laughs> to right. this you can do right. that you can't right.
0: do that you right. can't right.
2: do that in gymnastics your your toe is off by a millimeter and then you're off the beam and there's a one point and you lose so simone is exceptional and she proved what it is it was, it was amazing that she was so consistent uh it was amazing to watch uh, the whole American team, including Ally Raisman, Gabby Douglas, you know, Madison, Koshkin, everyone that was on that team, Lauren Hernandez, was a rock star. Mm. And the sad thing was is that you can only have two compete for the all-around. But if they had let all of us be the all-around, we would have gotten one, two, three in the medal stands and probably four or five. We,
0: had, we actually had a, a debate in the barbershop. They were saying that Gabby Douglas should have been uh, – she got edged out, right? Uh, she could have competed – I, I I was looking around, wait a minute, man. We're at the barbershop at Harlem. These two guys are arguing <laughs> about, <laughs> <laughs> about gymnastics. <laughs> uh-huh. Talking about gymnastics. Right. But they said that, you know, because they thought it was the alley raceman who beat her out. And they said, well, she almost fell off the, she almost fell off the, uh, what is it? The ballast beam? The, the, the ballast beam. beam. The ba- ballast beam. And, and Gabby just made a little bit. What do you think as, as an expert here at this table?
2: Well, this is how it works. And you all have to realize that the coordinator, Marta Caroli, is is who makes this decision. And the first decision for the US is to win the team gold. What it is is that you have four gymnasts that go up and three of the scores count. And so you have to put them in the order. In gymnastics, you kind of put your first person out there to set a good score. And then the scores get higher usually as they go along. Gabby in the team was first on floor. She was first, I think, in vault and possibly for beam, which means she was a rock. And Marta Caroli doesn't play. You guys. She doesn't care about anything else except for winning. So everybody can talk about what they want to talk about, but she has a strategy, and it is a strategy. So what happened, unfortunately, is that the U.S. team is so good, and, Al, and Gabby was put there in a, to set the team up to win the gold yes she placed right behind Ally raisman i think to be honest with you probably the difficulty level Ally had more and that's on paper right the the elements that you're right. supposed to perform so technically if she was able to do that one and she was later in the competition she would get higher scores gabby did a great all-around competition but marta made the choice for the u.s team to win and gabby has great routines but that difficulty level score counts and that's where i think she fell short.
1: You, you mentioned how, how dominant the U.S. team was this year. You called it a dream team. And I always wonder, is is it because we're getting so much better? Were they, were they that good, or is the rest of the world losing it a little bit? What, what's your response to that?
2: Very interesting question. We're getting better. There's no doubt about that. Now, when you look at it from a historic perspective, we have benefited from the breakup of the Eastern European wall. That's right. All yeah. those coaches, Marta, yeah. Bella, and, and we're over here in the 1980s, Bella and Marta, oh, boy. right? And then Liukin, so Nasia who won in 2008, her father, Valeri, who's a great world champion and could be our next top coach. So many of those coaches came to the U.S. Then we had the system where we're in a fluent country, and so they had these gymnastics clubs and people right. with right. a lot of money just sent their kids right. to, st- to train with these coaches, and then what happened is these coaches left the, the systems of Eastern Europeans, so they lost a lot of their top coaches. They went to where the money is, which is It's which is here. So they and their systems fell apart, right? This the government support of them. They're not as, Romania didn't qualify a team to I women's gymnastics Romania,
0: back in the day. I, I'm still. I mean, before we were off air, I remember, remember Nadia Komanich and uh, Olga Korp., I mean, uh, Yeah, Olga Kormanich. I There were these great gymnastics. that we thought that they never, ever, ever, ever lose. I mean, the Russians were, they were the dream team before there was a dream team. Back in the, I guess it must have been the 80s. Mm -hmm. We thought that they were so dominant that, you know, we thought they would never, ever, ever lose. It it would never get to this. Certainly that the United States would all of a sudden be not just as dominant. I mean, whatever is beyond dominant, that (laughs) seems to be where we are now. And it seems to be Endless. I was going to ask you, Wendy. You kind of answered, but when did this happen? I mean, how did this happen? It almost, it almost, it happened before our eyes. But when did, when did this happen?
2: It, it, it was an instant for sure. Uh, Marta came on really I think she was the head coach maybe in 1996 but this has been a process and so what she did when she really took over the US program in 2001 is she started having all of these athletes the top athletes every month come to their ranch in Texas and that type of training it's decentralized in a way so people train in their whole gym and then once a month they all get together she is relentless I've always known Bella is great but Marta has always been the gymnast um, she brought everybody together and raised the bar for the whole national team and that's going over about 10 or 12 years right 10 15 years she's been doing this so it's not new it's it's how we've we've made our system work the best for us and then I will have to say this the scoring system in gymnastics is in our favor the difficulty level that they started making you work towards benefits athletes like Simone and Allie. Those are what they call power athletes. So what they were able to do, as opposed to all the graceful ballet and the lines, which is, which was a big Russian thing and great. But what they did, and this is the trick, power gymnasts were always great on the vault, and they were always great on floor, because they could tumble and they could do this. What they did is they turned it to the bean. So, when you see the elements that they do on Beam, a, a masterful, and then they put these combinations together. As soon as that happened, then power gymnasts, which we've always been good at, Mary Lou Retton was a power gymnast. US right. gymnasts have always been kind of the hard tumblers, the rough ones. So, it was a combination of, a, of good training and how the system of gymnastics moved to a more powerful level of gymnastics that made us benefit more. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you mentioned money, and that's always kind of a thing because this, the United States is the wealthiest country on earth. Uh, you know, that's just where we are. And our natural resources are amazing. And I, I think that if all the kids, you know, here we are in Harlem, USA, I think if money was not an object, I mean, we're the wealthiest country on earth, but yet gymnastics is also a very, it's, 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 the problem is that it, it takes so much money to do it. So just kind of anybody just can't roll out of bed and be a gymnast. I thought it was interesting now that we're talking about uh, Gabby Douglas. In London, we were talking about Gabby Douglas. Now the next one, talk about Simone. I remember, you remember, um, we just, when I introduced you, you were, you know, like in 1978, you were sort of the first. And I wonder, in 1978, if you could have, and although it was rhythmic gymnastics, but I can't imagine that in, in gymnastics, there was this flood of young black women competing. So I mean, I don't know if you could have ever anticipated when all of a sudden there seems to be this pipeline of young, of great young black gymnasts, you know, kind of stand in line one after the other.
2: It's twofold. So gymnastics, you're right, is very expensive and it's it's lost a lot of its community support. There used to be a gymnastics program, at least in every YMCA, and YMCA's would have been, but they stopped dropping their gymnastics programs because of the expense. So it's definitely harder. I was able to benefit from gymnastics, and we had rhythmic in all gymnastics because it was in our recreation department with coaches from the former Soviet Union. It is not rocket science, folks. You get talented kids with really great coaches, and you spend a lot of time, and you get good at what you do. Right. But What's happened in, and just so you know, historically, there have been other great gymnasts you didn't see. Remember, we had a boycott in 1980. So there are two gymnasts, Lucy Collins and Ron Gallimore, who you didn't see and probably would have met Ron for sure. Mm -hmm. In 1984, the year before, Diane Durham was the national champion. She's out of um, Indiana, East Chicago. Young black woman. Yes, young black woman. Diane Durham was amazing, Mm -hmm. and it was a fluke that she didn't make the night. She trained with Mary Lou Retton, so she was under Bella. So you didn't see Diane and she was very strong. So you missed that opportunity. And you know, Dominique Dawes almost won right. the nineteen ninety-six Olympics. People forget this. She she went off floor, which is a great event, and that's it. So she could have been the Olympic champion in nineteen ninety-six and our conversation would have started back then. So I understand the the breadth of history. We've always had really great black gymnasts, one or two. The the powerhouse now is back to back. Let's be clear. The last four gymnasts in the best gymnasts in the world have been black. Mm. Gabby Douglas, 2012. Simone Biles, 2013, 2014, 2015, mm. 2016. Right. And in, last year, Simone and Gabby were one and two. Mm. So in the best in the world. So this kind of trend has been unprecedented when and you've had this. And how,
1: how, do you, how has this happened? In terms of, we know, we know gymnastics is an expensive sport. How is it now that it's, it seems like black women are dominating the sport?
2: Whether it's dominating, it's hard to say. You know, you only have five to make the Olympic team. I mean, this was amazing. Three of them are minorities. It is so hard. People need to re- to make the Olympic team. It's that cray-cray. I don't know what to say. It's so hard. But what I'm saying is that you've always had blacks at the top. Right. I think the combination of the media and the social media and the exposure and back-to-back gymnasts is highlighted this part. There are black folks with money who can send their kids to gymnastics. Let's be clear. But, so, I,
1: but with Simone Biles, was she one of those?
2: You know, she had the resources, let's put it this way. So there's you have to have financial resources or find out a way, which people do, parents do. The other part is the amount of dedication a family has to have. Gymnasts start young. They're five, six, seven years old when they start, mm. and they train intensely, intensively year-round for like 10, 11, 12 years. So someone in your family has got to be taking that kid to gymnastics all the time. So those are the kind of circumstances that you have to make happen to be successful in these types of sports. It is money, there's no doubt, but also it's the amount of time that yeah. you have to you, dedicate. You,
0: give, give us an idea of the time, because I think, let's say somebody's listening to this broadcast, and, you know, she's got a daughter or he's got a daughter, and, wow, you know, I saw Gabby Douglas, I like that, I... I like my daughter to she's five, six years old. Take us through take us through the the transition that's gonna lead her from just that opening thought to being in Rio. I mean what, what's it gonna take in terms of time, what's it gonna take in terms of money and commitment for that to happen?
2: And luck? Right. And circumstances, yeah. right. and not injuries. Well, so talent. let's put it um, right. The the process really is, and and this is the key: is that you have to love what you're doing. Gymnastics is extremely hard, and it's the kind of sport where you have to practice details, small details, over and over again. So the child has to have the kind of determination, the focus that Gabby Douglas and Dominique does. I wouldn't walk, you know put it against anyone the type of focus they have to do the sport so you have a child that wants to do gymnastics you put them in a gymnastics class hopefully they love it as you how do you
0: find out how do you find out you go online you you go
2: online um, you look in your yeah I think going online is the best thing word of mouth is great if you have other friends that go to gymnastics class I will say this the most important thing when you start it's got to be a safe program Um, and the commitment but you also have to understand that the more the child likes gymnastics and gets better the more time so she may start out with a class of one hour a week she gets better goes to intermediate program six months later it's three hours Mm -hmm. and then next year it is two days a week four hours each you know it's just you have to be willing to go with the process and you can't be tired as a parent you have to support your child and understand that it's it's a big commitment but i will say this the commitment is worth it no matter what Mm -hmm. your child will learn how to take care of their body. They will learn how to focus. They will learn how to do time management, because gymnasts are, you just have to. So all the benefits, and especially for girls, it's gymnastics is a support that girls really love. If you get them into sports when they're young, they will understand their body. They will have muscle memory when they're older, and they'll understand sport. So whatever it is, get them in gymnastics. There are programs out there, I have one where it's, you know, there are not a lot of them where it's affordable. But I think the most important thing is make that investment in your child.
0: You, you're the uh, a, the executive director of the Wendy Hilliard uh, Gymnastics Foundation. The Wendy Hilliard Gymna- Gymnastics Foundation. You founded that in 1996, right? Uh, what I mean, have you seen have you seen the Gabby Douglas uh, effect uh, since since 1996? With you know, I guess for good and bad, people bring their 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 daughters there and. Say here, you know, this is the next, you know, uh, Gabby Douglas or the next Simone Biles. Have you seen that impact? There was
2: a huge Gabby Douglas effect after 2012. We constantly have between 100 and 150 kids on our waiting list, wow. and that came from the Gabby Douglas effect. Wow. When people saw the best gymnast in the world was a black woman, they it clicked in there that their daughter could do this too. Wow. And all parents are the same. They all want the best for their children, right. and but when they see that, it inspired them. It inspired their kids. Um, there's a big effect as far as their being a role model and wanting to do gymnastics. And,
1: and like you said, it's not it's not just it's about the sport and it's about learning other things. And it's not just Olympics or bust because you can get an, you get a scholarship. Uh, there are you know all these all these schools have gymnastics teams. I, I, they're on TV now. I see it on ESPN. I see the gymnastics finals, uh, SEC finals, ACC finals. So it's not just real. I mean, that's all that most people will see or pay attention to. But, I mean, there's a borderline career.
2: Mm. There is. And the, and being a, a top athlete is key. And I would just tell parents across the board, and I think you understand this in all sports, it can't be your motivator end all because a child has to put in the work, but the benefits are going to fall. If, you, if you're not on the Olympic team, there's world championships, like you said. There's college gymnastics. There's high school gymnastics. If they're loving to do sport, and parents have to understand, your child has to do sports. As important as them as them going to schools. As important as learning an art form. You can't leave this part of their development out, and especially for girls. Well,
0: why haven't uh, we have talked about like, the young black women, but the same explosion hasn't happened with young black men. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, at least not that I've seen. You mentioned Ron Gallimore, but I haven't seen the same influx of young black men turning out the men's gymnastic company. What's what's happened over there? I'm trying to get. Uh, I'm trying to work T.J. free into this conversation. But 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 what's I mean, what's happened? I mean, T.J., you were an athlete in high school. I mean, was gym gymnastics something that you just kind of run by the gym? I mean, that's not something you wanted to do. Or, you know?
3: I'll tell my story about gymnastics uh, really briefly, but um, my parents actually put uh, myself and my sister in tumble bunnies, growing bunnies uh, growing up uh, about two, three, four years old. and uh, it was at a YMCA, um, and I, I got too big for it. Uh, but you know all the the money that came along with it uh, that, that we talked about earlier, um, that kind of was a deterrent and put me into some other sports growing up as well. So um, I, I don't know if that YMCA is still there. If they still, I think it was a YWCA, actually, um, if they still do gymnastics. But, um, yeah, it's not as prevalent in, in Detroit uh, anymore uh, from what I've seen.
0: What I mean, when do you, you – I mean, what, what's your – why do you think we haven't seen the same explosion of black men in gymnastics as we've seen in women? Is that – guys are just it's, it's the nba is sucking up everything the nfl is sucking up everything what, what do you think it's
2: the media this is one of those cases where women's gymnastics is more popular than men's. that's number one so we do have a lot of great male gymnasts one john orozco who actually made this olympic team which would have been a second team is from the bronx uh, but he had an injury right. So, you know, we do we have had great, you know, Jair Lynch won Olympic medal in uh silver medal in parallel bars. So we have a history of great male gymnasts. It's just that sorry guys, the girls in gymnastics get all of their time. So that's where the focus is. And boys for one have so many different options. And gymnastics like it is for women though, for men it takes even longer because they get their strength at a later – you guys see males' gymnastics. They're like the strongest pound-for-pound athletes there are. So that strength develops later, so they have to take gymnastics for a longer time, and they don't hit their stride till they're in their early 20s. Mm. So that's even longer commitment, and there are just so many other things that are happening, and that's why you don't see as many male gymnasts prevalent. Wow.
0: You know, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, when I come back, I want to to talk about Gabby Douglas because she was involved in – you know, some controversy, some national anthem controversy, which I thought was unfortunate, but probably sobering for her as, as well. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Our guest is Wendy Hilliard. Uh, Wendy Hilliard is the, am I saying the executive director and founder, founder. of the uh, Wendy Hilliard Gymnastic Foundation? Uh, in 1978, she became the first African American woman to compete in rhythmic gymnastics. You're going to tell us the difference between rhythmic gymnastics. And I I was going to say regular gymnastics. I know (laughs) know. probably jump across the tables. Regular, (laughs) but but anyway, we'll be back in a second. We'll we'll get that distinction, and we'll also talk a little bit about, Gabby Douglas when we come back. back. Uh, my guest is uh, Wendy Hilliard, the founder president of the uh, Wendy Hilliard Gymnastics Foundation. F- fresh just back from Rio de Janeiro. Did you bring in, like coffee back or anything? Or whatever? Just the f- t-shirts. T-shirts. <laughs> okay. Uh, and also uh, TJ Winfrey's here. Um, we just kind of forced TJ. TJ in New York. He's from Detroit. He's beginning uh, Columbia Business School and he came by one of our mutual friends said, "Oh, come by." He didn't know that we would like rope him and, <laughs> and be part of the uh, the cast. But thank you for being a good sport, T.J. I'm no Here, uh, of course, Jamal Murphy is right here, all the way from Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, but but uh, two two things, um, you know, Gabby Douglas was a star of the in the the uh, the sweetheart of the 2012 Olympics. Now she's you know Simone Biles is a sweetheart, um, black woman. And Gabby, that people were trying to turn her into a little bit of a villain. Um, During the national anthem, people were saying that maybe she didn't, you you were there, you saw it, Wendy. Tell us what happened and and just sort of your reaction to it. Well,
2: Gabby Douglas is an amazing athlete. I don't think people understand. It is difficult to make one Olympic team. It is crazy difficult to make two back-to-back Olympic teams and to be at her level where she is. And I was there, and this is what happens. They call us the Olympic bubble. When you're at the Olympics, you don't pay attention to all of this that's going on online. You're looking. I was there. I was watching it. I didn't notice anything. The Olympic team, the women's team didn't say. I mean, they're trying to get the gold medal. They're not sitting here plotting. When we get the medal, we're all going to put our hand over We're going to face this work. They're not even thinking about that. They just go up. They're excited. They get the medal. Gabby just didn't put her hand. Everybody else did. It wasn't over anything her over her heart. Mm. But you all watch the rest. Watch all of the, um, the medal ceremonies. I probably... Less than half of the athletes put right. their hand over their heart. Some of them sing, some of them don't, some of them whim, some of them cry. It's just one of those things. And unfortunately, the media and the photo looks, the photo. you know, the photo right. just looks so uh, like it was planned, and she just didn't, she wasn't making a, a, a protest. <laughs> we know what a protest is, and that's not what a protest was. She was just, you know, it's very emotional, and it's unfortunate.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the idea that... Uh, they were saying she wasn't. Um, first of all, I think that's complete nonsense. Um, but it's also sobering, in that, and, and I guess Gabby, what was her? What was her from 2012 to 2016? She was fairly beloved, right? I mean, she got a lot of respect. She got a lot of love. Um, but then to sort of have the rug pulled out from under all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like, well, we got another black star. So hell, we're going to start on you now. You know, I just thought it was very unfortunate, and she did try to push back somewhat, right? She did try to explain, I, I forgot what the explanation was, but once you start explaining stuff, it, it's, it's always, I remember John Thompson said something, he said, when you explain, your, we explain yourself is a weakening, it's weakening when you try to explain yourself and all that, and there's no explanation. But also they were saying that she didn't seem enthusiastic enough, right, in terms of supporting her teammates. Did you see that?
2: No. Uh, That's a very strong team. You cannot win an Olympic gold medal without having a very strong team. It just doesn't happen. You may not like each other, you may not do a lot of things, but you can't win if you don't respect each other. Okay, So the whole US team respects, and I think they all like each other. And it's Gabby's personality, she's not overly expressive all the time. When it's time for her to get the job done, that's what she does. Now, if you need to be happy and bubbly all the time, she supports her athlete. She was there clapping. She may not have been jumping. She's not 16. This is not her first right, rodeo with right, the right. Olympics. Exactly. Everybody else was jumping around, but she's been here before. Right. And she was looking at the competition that she really would have loved to be in. Mm. That hurts your heart. Mm. It, you know, she could have been out there, too. Any of our top athletes could have been going for that That all-around metal and that is hurtful and you cannot prepare for that you just have to always do your best to do the team to go on she can't help that the cameras are looking at every move that she's doing while she's watching every competition and they edit what they think they want right. to so that's the reality of it but i support i support gabby douglas all the way she is one amazing gymnast and and we just can't, especially our sisters and brothers out there, you have to support it. It is tough out there being a champion athlete. And you know, Bill, more than anything, they have to write stories. They have to do things and they have to make things look tough. But she should be honored for what she's done.
1: Well, what, what do you make of the backlash one and what do you make of her reaction to it?
2: I think her reaction, as Bill said, it's really tough. What can you say? When you'd have no control over that, when you really didn't make it, and then they're gonna tear apart what, what you say. So it's, I think she was trying to answer her critics, and you can't, this social media thing is like, how can you, you know, talk to someone who left an anonymous comment someplace? How can right. you, you can't right. fight
1: against those right. types well, of and things. And, 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 me, and mean spirited stuff.
0: Well, they still on about her hair, which is, oh. which was, you know, I mean, this is what, four years or I guess it shows the, The the endurance of black women in their hair.
2: All I can say to my black (laughs) sisters is y'all have to stop. This is ridiculous. You have no idea how difficult it is what these women are doing. And no, she doesn't have to worry about every hair being let me tell you no one else is looking at that there's a rule book in gymnastics the only rule about your hair is that it's off your face and not getting in into your eyes that's it none of the other gymnasts are talking about it marta caroli's not i was with nadia coming in 2012 she's like wendy why don't people like gabby's ponytail what's the problem i like Nadia. i can't explain it to you (laughs) it's a black girl thing and (laughs) don't be hating on all i can say is leave the woman alone she's doing her job and unless you can be on her level then don't say anything and understand what you have to do. From Gabby, it's, um, it's, it's just a hard awakening. Like you said, it's like, it's like you have to be prepared for this when you're on the other side. There's no way that you know that you're, that's going to be coming, but I think, unfortunately, that's how sports does.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what we, particularly in the media, you, know, you, you build things up. You know, I mean, hey, hate as a cliche, but it's true. You kind of build it up to tear it down. Mm. You, know, you know, and if you're an athlete, you really can't take this stuff. You can't believe this stuff. It's all make believe. You cannot believe you cannot believe what they say about you, if they say how great you are, you can't believe how terrible you are. I mean that's in life in life as well. You know, you pretty much have to know who you are and I you said you've met Gabby Tucker Right? She's come to either one of your events or something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've met her several times. I know her mother. I see her. We stay together. I actually sent her mom a text when I started seeing all this bad stuff. I'm like, just tell Gabby we got her back. Don't don't let the haters get to her. But Gabby is, you know, she is an amazing gymnast, and she she wanted to come back to the Olympics, and she really didn't have to. That amount of work. That decision to do that was pretty major. And people ask a lot of things she didn't do as well in her bar routine, but she's still top in the world. She's a top seven, you guys. She's amazing. Marta Caroli wouldn't have put her there if she didn't believe in her, and she she produced. I think people have to understand, Gabby went to do what she needed to do, and it's amazing that she did that. And that she still – I hope she still loves gymnastics to the point because this has been tough for her. But we have to just – as I said, support our top athletes, and she's one of them.
0: Is she going to coach now? with hey,
2: yeah. I don't know. Coaching is a. She's 19. Oh right. right
0: so right. she's still got is a she lot of things do? to do. Is she, is she in school somewhere?
2: She's not in school right now. It's very tough. You can't. I mean, these gymnasts practice is about 35, 40 hours a week, guys. Nobody's working <laughs> to do this. Um, I don't know if she's made a decision. She's really just getting home from Rio if she's back already. And it's the kind of process when you're a top athlete, it takes time, months. To it's like, it's to like
1: uh, college basketball. They, they practice about the same amount of time, but they pretend to be in school. Right. Or yeah. they are forced <laughs> to pretend right. they're in school.
0: That's right. right. That's right. Uh, what, one thing I, I'd ask you uh, before the break, the difference between – rhythmic gymnastics and yeah, regular <laughs> gymnastics. But what, what's the? I mean, you, you grew up uh, in Detroit. Um, you, you wanted to be a gymnast. I mean, how did you veer from gymnastics to rhythmic gymnastics, and, what, and what's the difference?
2: So gymnastics is a sport because you work either on or with apparatus. In what they call artistic gymnastics, which is what Gabby Douglas and Simone do and John Orosco, men's and women's, is called artistic gymnastics. You work on apparatus, the balance beam, the uneven bars, the floor exercise, vault. In rhythmic gymnastics, you work with hand apparatus. So you have the hoop, the rib, and the ball. It's all performed in music. And the key is like... The other Olympic sport besides rhythmic gymnastics and artistic gymnastics is trampoline. So everyone knows the big trampoline. It's been an Olympic sport since 2000. So I actually started as an artistic gymnast. I was a tumbler. I was downtown. Y Because they didn't have any gymnastics in the city of Detroit. So I did it all. I did tumbling. I did bars on the beam. Um, my coach... Who was from ukraine was a specialist in rhythmic gymnastics so when that became an olympic sport they recruited all of the top artistic gymnasts to switch over to rhythmic and that's how i got to rhythmic gymnastics um and so i know them all in my foundation we do all types of gymnastics and it's it's just a different discipline as they call
0: Mm. your your mother kind of proud of you to do that right i think i forgot what the story was but your mother was somehow she played some role right and becoming a gymnast?
2: Well, I really saw it on TV and was so excited what she did is she had the fortitude to keep fighting to find me to do gymnastics because it wasn't in Detroit the level that I wanted to be in we had to go to the suburbs she fortunately was in education so she got out of school at 3 o'clock and could take me to gymnastics in the suburbs but then she was like this suburbs thing and the cost is not working <laughs> let's talk to the recreation department and she prodded them to let's bring gymnastics to Detroit and they hired these coaches so my coaches were paid by the city of Detroit and we were in their facility so she's really a facility. And that's what you kind of need. You need to have that kind of partner if you're youth doing sports.
0: You know, we, we keep, uh, you know, we, we both, you know, share the same general space. Um, is there any way that you could make this stuff? Again, I was, I didn't ask the question correctly, but it always disturbs me when we're talking about, you know, TJ talked about, you know, the money. And finally, he got into other sports, I'd imagine. Football, basketball, something like that. Correct,
3: yeah. Soccer, then football. Yep.
0: Yeah, well, soccer's kind of... But is there any way... I mean, does this stuff have to be this expensive? And what's the difference between... I mean, why do so many black folks, young black folks... I mean, we're like... We're we're, we're like... We're like... um, What's the word? We're swarming in football. We're swarming in basketball. Why is that? I mean, and and it takes money to play football. I mean, it takes money to play basketball why is it though that those two sports seem to attract so many I mean, we have no problem nobody's complaining at all about basketball and football where we dominate but every other sport including baseball gym I mean is there anything that gymnastics could do to say okay listen we're not going to make it that expensive or is there something about it that is just expensive does it have to be this expensive? Ex- can we give more power to the people?
2: We can. <laughs> it's the it's the, the one word is access. The one thing you can do with football and basketball is find it in any community pretty easily, like within five blocks of your house. And so, <laughs> right. or any school that you're in, or any church, right. you, you, you have access to the opportunity to try the sport. Right. It is not that way with gymnastics. And because gymnastics is so exclusive and it's only in certain pockets, also adds to the cost of it right it's not readily available all schools used to have gymnastics programs back in the day everybody learned it the, the Olympic teams from in the 50s 60s and 70s were from the Y team and they found they, you know that's what they did but it changed when it became private clubs and they went out to affluent and suburban neighborhoods then that's where the access was not there so it's expensive because it's exclusive but I found a way it's it's hard, but it's still relatively expensive, but it's accessible. I have my programs in the community where kids can walk there and get great coaching, uh, and it's, it's workable. It's I'm, doable.
0: So if somebody's in New York and they want to say, okay, we're hearing this, okay, let's send our kids the Wendy he'll, he'll, he'll your foundation. What do they do? I mean, uh, you know, I'll put you, you know how, how do they contact? How, what, what's the process?
2: Well, they should go online, and we have all of our information there. Uh, we do a big event, National Gymnastics Day in Harlem, which we'll have on September twenty fourth at Riverbank State Park. But to be honest with you all, you all better get online because our waiting list fill up pretty darn fast. You can come to our office and register up in Harlem. Um, but the key is is to to start now <laughs> and work with real time, not black people time, and get on there and sign up. <laughs> Um, it's it's I, that's yeah gymnast, gymnastics doesn't work on that level which is another thing but we're not talking about that so you have to uh, get online even any local place we're we're based in Harlem but the key is when you first start your gymnastics class you don't have to be so discerning about the the level of champions that they're doing it's a beginner class and start the process put your kid in sports and that that's a good thing and the age
1: that you should start.
2: This, when you want to. There's no doubt that it's easier when you're younger. Um, I didn't get serious about gymnastics until I was 12, but this was back in the day. But I always encourage, and we have older girls, if they get the bug at 12 years old, then you start them doing gymnastics. It's great. They will get a lot out of it.
0: Do you, do you, do you think, and, and again, let's just say here uh, uptown, and you have people with unlimited resources, adults, and they say, we're going to have an experiment. We're going to Make this space. We're going to create some world-class athletes, and we're going to do it basically for free, all the way up for free. When you come in, no cost. It's, there's a competitive element. I mean, as you, as you, as we pick out our best people, but we're going to we're going to sub, uh, subsidize the travel. We're, in other words, we're going to take money out of the equation. We just want here in Harlem. We just want the best athletes. We want the Simone Biles without the price tag. We're going to try to find greatest athletes we can and we're gonna say listen don't worry about the money okay we're gonna subsidize all this I mean do you think at that point you could then begin to to create a lot of Simone Biles because now money is not the, the, the impediment
2: well there there's two parts to this this question that you have so we we have a partnership with the Harlem Children's Zone and all those kids with the Harlem Children's Zone all of their gymnastics is paid for which is what the model you're talking about. And us partnering for six years has already produced that. Last year, we took eight athletes to the national championships in tumbling trampoline and took home nine medals. So that investment in kids will get you champions. To be honest with you, to get a Simone Biles, you may have to wait another 40 years. That girl (laughs) is an exceptional talent. To get a top athlete, though, that process will take at least 10 years. Let's just be honest. It's just how long it takes to develop champion athletes in gymnastics but it sure it certainly will be done it's what they call talent identification it's what the chinese do they pick the best athletes they bring them all together and they give them free coaching it's what the russians used to do it's not a new system but of course we can do that one and we should do that with athletes because you find talent in random sports it's not that blacks are just talented in certain sports they're talented
1: all right it's funny you say that because the more you talk about gymnastics and the time and the and the effort it takes it just sounds like every other sport you know it right, takes exactly. you 10 years not, to be a great basketball right, player right, or exactly, football player right, exactly. or it's not like football right
0: like, the, the implication right is that well somehow to be a great football player basketball player it doesn't really take as much talent or time or right. attention to detail which i think it does
3: right just jumping in when you think about it too um from a the model you talked about, Bill, it's in football, it's in basketball where these monies from either handlers or companies are coming in and they're paying and subsidizing for a lot of things and then they're getting the top athletes in their sport. So, uh, you know, for gymnastics, it seems like, you know, whether it's grassroots, where there's companies coming in and subsidizing things, that's how you can find the talent because in basketball and football, those guys aren't paying for much. And, <laughs> it, and it costs money for <laughs> AU tournaments to travel and things like that, equipment costs in football. So uh, the, money is the, uh, the money is there, uh, but there are people coming in and subsidizing. So, so let's
0: stay with that a minute. See, because all this is. So, in other words, you will pay because basketball football is the engine. It's kind of the engine here. And it just so happens that a lot of black kids are part of that engine. And, 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 and um, gymnastics or swimming and all that. It's a whole different economic model and we don't really need black folks. In other words, we don't really need them to be that engine. And so then, you know, um, we, don't have to, we don't have to scrape and find them hither and yon you know, we can now kind of afford to have the white kid in the suburbs and all that because it's almost, not frivolous, but it's not, it ain't like football, basketball. Well, this is a real, there are industries that are built on this. There's Nike, Adidas. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. Tote that barge, lift that bale. We need you, Negroes, so we're gonna find the best one and we're gonna pay it. Swimming, well, you know, it's not quite, it's it's almost a luxury item. You know, it's a luxury item. And so therefore, it's gonna be kind of a white thing. And, and by the end of the show, I'll kind of put this shit all together. But it always, no matter, there's always some little racial racist kind of element in there and racist in that black folks, we, we, we tote the barge and lift the bail. We are the, and, and right now the barge and the bail, are football, basketball. They need us, we have to be there. I mean, they, they, it's, it's, it's not even an option. We are the engines of the of the industry. All this other stuff we talk about—water polo, swimming—you know—all this other stuff—they're luxury items. And so, it's it's in the suburbs. It's it's in the you know it's it's not. I mean, it, it, you look at you look at how we do uh, soccer. Soccer in the United States is basically a middle class. It's a middle the upper middle class sport, and everywhere else is blue collar. Right. You know. Where, if you look at th- in the United States, you know the team does not look like. I mean, who's really playing soccer in the? You know, and I think th- this is getting away from gymnastics, but it's kind of the same. It's the same thing. And and you were saying, Wendy, that people are asking you, um, well, Wendy, uh, is, is Simone Biles? Is this going to be? They act like they just say, is this going to be a trend? You know, is this going to be? Are they going? I mean, is this? Is this kind of? It seems like what they're asking is that, damn, man, I mean, are y'all going to take this over too? I mean, what, you know, what, what, tell us what this means. Is this, you know, and I don't know if what you're saying is that economically it just can't happen. The way the current economic model is, that can't happen.
2: Yeah, the investment, and here's the other thing. When you have football and basketball, oftentimes the good training is taken over by the time you're in high school. Like if you're a good basketball, football, you're in a good high school, you're getting noticed to go to college, but that's where most of your training, if you're in gymnastics or swimming, you're in a club program. And it's important for them to train you to the elite level to either get all the way to the Olympics, so that's 10 or 15 years, just your parents paying for it, not going off to school. And then the outcome on the end is not a guarantee. All the people doing swimming, all the people doing Gymnastics. There is one Olympic gold medalist, and that's the only one who's pretty much going to get any money off this. Right. So the the uh, the motivation can't be for right. money, right. and so that's another part of the whole thing. When you say it's a luxury or something like that, the investment you have in Simone Manuel. Let's just talk about it. you're talking about swimming, right. but that girl right. is amazing. But she's at Stanford, very great. So you, it's the motivation of why you do the sport as well, right? Right.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, good point. Um all right. Well, I just wanted to kinda get on that, uh we always have to figure out a road bill, road on sports. There's always gotta be this thing. Anyway <laughs> yeah, So we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're gonna talk about the greatest Olympian of all time. Who is the greatest Olympian of all time? Is it is it Simone uh Biles? Is it um
1: Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps Usain, Bolt. Is it Usain
0: Bolt. Who is it? We're going to come back and we're going to we're going to tell you what the story
1: is, and, and also talk about the, these Olympics as a whole. Oh yeah,
0: We're going to summarize the Olympics as a whole. All right, okay. We'll be right back. Bill Roden on sports. Our guest is Wendy Hilliard, and with a special appearance by T.J. Winfrey, fresh and new at Columbia Business School. He wants to take over the world, not as a player, but as a administrator. He wants to own it. Power and Control. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, we're back. Uh, from Harlem USA with uh, Wendy Hilliard. Fresh from Rio de Janeiro, uh, Wendy is the founder, executive director of the Wendy Hilliard Gymnastics Foundation and we're also here with my newfound friend, T.J. Winfrey, who, uh, drafted in this program. Uh, T.J., I mean, it's interesting, a, a, a mutual friend of ours um, uh, suggested that you talk to me just about the, the industry. And we had a very interesting mm-hmm. conversation before all this about some of the things you wanted mm-hmm. to do well one of the things you were saying is that maybe the difference between the kid who was in, in in high school and what you want to do and you went to the University of Michigan and now is that you really want to be in a position of power and control rather than you know playing you know being being a player you basically want to get behind the power and actually control things.
3: Right right. So um yeah we we spoke about that and uh you you being kind of um one of my motivations for, for wanting to, uh, to pursue that path. So, um, started out playing, playing, growing up, uh, playing in high school, play football, basketball, ran track. Um, and you know, my dad was one of the people who always said, you know, you know, you don't want to be the person who received the check. You want to be the person who writes the check. Right. So, um, that that stuck with me, but I didn't, didn't fully, um, kind of, uh, stick with me, I guess, um, until 2006 when I read, uh, 40 million dollar slaves and I said man this book is is life-changing and I want to be a part of the power structure and not the, the labor force I guess uh, so to speak so um, You know that that's been my motivation since 2006 my freshman year in Michigan and then um, and also now you know coming to Columbia Business School and um, You know hopefully staying in, in the sports industry and uh, you know influence from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I I I asked you know was Simone Biles gonna, no was Gabby gonna coach? But that really is I don't know. I mean, for me, growing up in journalism, you know, you think you want to get a job, you want to be a writer, you want to be the column or something like that. As opposed to well, where is the power in all this industry? You know, where is the who's got the power? And it's the editors, the publishers, you know. uh, In in the sports industry, it's the general manager and oh, it's the executive suite. And I think that, um, I, I was telling TJ a friend of mine just got a job, she left Sports Illustrated um, for kids. Now she's taking a job uh, and, as an editor at the um, what's it, Bleach Report. And I was t- telling her, in, in your generation, this generation of the 28s, to 29s, 30s, I think it's about really power and control. Power, control, ownership. That's what it's about. I mean, we still wanna do the tumbling and all that, but You want to own the gymnasium. You want to own the team. You want to own the means of production. If you're a musician, you want to play, but who owns the the company? Who owns the, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, So anyway, but that's that's the diversion. But we we, we were saying um, at the last break, people have been calling Michael Phelps the greatest Olympian of all time, which I'm like, well, wait a minute. I mean, he's clearly the greatest swimmer of all time. But Wendy, you, you covered nine Olympics beginning when? I mean, not covered, but you've attended nine Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Beginning when?
2: 1984. Oh, uh, uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So you've seen a lot of Olympians. You've, you've got your own measure. Who would you say? Who would you say is the greatest? First of all, do you think Michael Phelps is the greatest Olympian of all time? But who would you say is the greatest Olympian of all time?
2: I don't have an opinion on that, per se. I think you made a really good point. You can't compare. Uh, Michael Phelps is an incredible Olympian. He's an incredible athlete. Uh, Usain Bolt is incredible. Carl Lewis in his day. Uh, You know, when you count Olympic medals, it's relative to how many of them are available. In (laughs) swimming, you can get, you've got relays. He's got a lot of individual events. In track and field, you also have that option. In gymnastics, you only have a few. There's only so many that you can get. You can't add it. So... It's hard, just like any Olympic sport, you can't, it's not apples and oranges. And competition. And competition, it's just, you really can't compare those things. You can talk about what impact certain performances had in Olympic Games. And when you right. start looking at that, Simone Biles has a, had a great impact. In gymnastics, she she did an incredible Olympics.
1: Right, and if you, if you want to count medals in that case, I mean, she tied Mary Lou Retton and a couple others for the most... Uh, Individual, medal. individual medals for for a gymnast in in one olympic games mm-hmm. so she's right up there with anybody else but in if, that field
0: but if you're a weightlifter it's not like you could right. well I'm going to do 10k 5k 100k <laughs> right. or if I'm a boxer I'm going right. to be a lightweight heavyweight right. welterweight exactly. I'm gonna, you know I mean it just, it's And it's
1: also not just it's not just about the number of medals or if you if you use an analogy to another sport people say Michael Jordan is the best of all time he had 6 Championship rings in six chances, right? But Bill Russell had more than that. But people right. still put Michael Jordan over you. So well, it can't just some it can't be yeah some people. So it can't be just about the number right. in any sport,
0: really. Right. Having said all that, Wendy, who's your? Who, <laughs> I yeah, try to yeah, let her off the hook. You no, know, no, you're on the hook. I everybody, everybody, hook. everybody in this room is on the hook. Who's your greatest? Who do you think is the greatest Olympian?
2: Wilma Rudolph. There you go. There, there are things that people do that inspire people forever. That it's not just about what you win; it's the stories. Jesse Owens' story. It's, right. Owen story. it's right. hard to say, but it's not necessarily a gymnast. It's the impact that you have on mankind right. through right. sport. Right.
0: What, do you, what do you think, TJ? I mean, you're you're one of the younger people in this panel. Uh, Who's your first? Who's the first Olympian that actually caught your caught your attention?
3: Yeah. So, Wendy, that was really philosophical. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> i would have to say the first one that caught my eye so i've always been a track and field guy so uh michael johnson is the first one that caught my eye um and then you know fast forward into the present day I, obviously is usain bolt i don't know about the greatest of all time i you know i'll have to research the history a little bit more but you know just from what i like and then also understanding what he did in the one and 200 meters three straight years um or three consecutive mm-hmm. olympics um, I think that's. I mean, I, I don't know how that's going to be done again. So, I, I have to go there. Yeah.
0: Who do you think, Jamal Murphy?
1: Murph. <laughs> uh, Murph. I, I agree. I agree with TJ. Actually, in terms of, I'm not sure who the. I would. I think I to to give it justice. I feel like I'd have to sit down and really do some some big time research. Right. But in terms of who caught my eye first, it was also track and field. But it was Carl Lewis. Um, that was when I was a kid, and I was like, wow, you know, this this guy was rooting for him, uh, the the whole way. He, his numbers stack up with any uh, track and field um, runner that there ever was, but when I look at you, Usain Bolt now, to do that in three Olympics, a, a sport that, that's, that is that taxing, um, it, there's a reason why it's never been done before, uh, to be the fastest in the world eight mm-hmm. years plus later uh, than you originally did it. Mm-hmm. So to me, and and, and we know that, that the competition is fierce in that sport. Right. and. Uh, and I respect swimming, I respect Michael Michael Phelps, but it doesn't have that history of competition that I'm aware of right. that, that track and field so does.
0: I, I, see, I, I agree, I'm, I'm coming up with a different person, but that's my thing with Phelps, for sake of argument. truly, I mean, he's the greatest Olympic swimmer in the history of that sport. However, for all the reasons we are mentioned about economics and that kind of stuff, when, you, when you're when you swimming against swimmers, where money does, you know, they'll have lessons and that... I don't know if you're if you're dealing with as large a pool as if you're a boxer, or if you're a track and field person. Where since you you compete against, oh, huge. <laughs> right. If, we're gonna anybody get who thinks they're fast we is just, just is, run. Know. You know, we go out here and run. There's a whole lot of people who can run it. You know, so um, so I think that that's something. what I said that, people, there you go again.
1: You right. Know? Right. No, you know,
0: that's well, a good point. But you ain't getting given you shit just because you say it. You right. Know? But um, see, I always go back to Jesse Owens because. Everybody we met, Wilma Rudolph, I mean, Wilma Rudolph came back from the uh, the Olympics, the, the black gazelle and all that. However, when she came back to Tennessee, they wanted to give her a parade and they wanted to have a banquet. There was gonna be a segregated parade and a segregated banquet. And Wilma Rudolph said there will be no parade in Clarksville, Tennessee, unless it could be white and black people. Now to me, that goes so much, and that's why we're talking about her, I think, Course. Years later, right? Yeah. Not because she won four gold medals. Jesse Owens, same thing. I mean, here you go into Nazi Germany, and you're carrying two baggage loads of hypocrisy on you, United <laughs> States, which is kind of using you yeah. to talk about democracy and all that. And he can't get a cup of coffee when he comes back. But then you're going to Nazi Germany, and they are persecuting you know you know Jewish America, I mean Jews, period. And on top of that, you got to perform. You know, and to do that, I can't even imagine that kind of pressure. And to go there and not only just perform, but perform in a record, in a record setting where just dominate. You know, and to me, and, that, and it echoes generations. And I think as I get older, it basically is about what footprint are you leaving? Yes. What footprint do you leave? Whether it's John Coltrane or Dizzy Gillespie, are they going to be talking about you 40, 50, 60? 70 years from now because of the footprint that that you leave so my guy is uh is is jesse owens it's
2: jesse owens it's the the protests in 1968 i mean uh, smith and carlos that was amazing i will have to say though my favorite olympic moment Mm -hmm. is i was in seoul when the women's four by 100 and evelyn ashford Mm. was the anchor leg got it from flojo mm-hmm. and was behind mm-hmm. and beat the east german i just had never seen when everyone's running you have to look this up on youtube it's the, uh, one wow. of the most incredible yeah. relay mm. races and and mm. performances of a relay of an
0: athlete I'll, i have to check that out you have to look at that Yeah, one. that that's great because that's that's one of my favorite defense that four by 100 which is i guess you know uh, We'll, we'll we'll miss it, but that four by hundred relay. And I, you know, I also like the relay. That's become one of my favorite metaphors, in terms of us passing the torch. Mm. In that, at, after you get to a certain age, you're you're that third leg. You're you're that third leg, and you're getting ready to hand it off <laughs> to the to the anchor person. Yeah. You know, and and that's sort of what is life is about. That's what survival is about. If you're African American, that's how we survive. Whether it was Flojo handed off to Evelyn Ashford, whether it was, um, I was trying to look at the, the. Uh, remember when the Tennessee State had the Tiger Bells? Yeah, the Tiger Bells. Yeah. And they had, you know, oh, so Willie yeah. White. Oh, Willie White. White. There. But, uh, yeah. just, it's amazing. So, yeah, listen, why don't we, uh, in the couple minutes we have left, just to summarize uh, the Olympics, there's still some hours left, but uh, you, you've covered nine of these. I've attended maybe four of them. Um, how do these Olympics stack up? to other Olympics that that you've covered, and even Jamal, TJ, other Olympics that you've watched?
2: You know, as an Olympic Games, what it always comes down to has been the performance of the athletes, and they've been pretty exceptional. I think across the board, everyone can say that the performances of the athletes have been pretty amazing. So on that level, it stacks up with some of the best. There's no doubt about it. What do
0: you think of all the rushes being bad?
2: In track and field? Yeah. Well, that, this is a tipping point, um, and it was only track and field, which is part of this. You know, I understand the Olympic movement <laughs> quite well, and the fact that it was only... But it's, it's got to be addressed. And as you probably understand well, this is a really huge issue. That's not just track and field. And you talk well, about swimming, weightlifting, there was swimming. There was a big issue back with all the East Germans. So you, when you talk about the best swimmer ever, then you have all those female athletes that were going against those East German, whatever they were, because <laughs> right. they were taking those drugs back in the 70s. So they weren't able to get medals. So right. it's all relative. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the Russian ban is, is a starting the conversation needed to be done but uh, it's got to be wider it's it's it wasn't really enough
1: i thought this this olympics i i came into it kind of f- feeling down about the olympics didn't feel like i was going to care at all i was like you, you kept hearing brazil being it being in brazil and zika and the and the security risk you know it just had a negative connotation coming into it kind of snuck up on me period um, but you know i found myself enjoying it again um i, w- I was f- anything but disappointed there were so many great stories uh we mentioned a lot of people uh w- we briefly mentioned um Simone Manuel who who had the first right, right. ever individual uh, uh swimming gold medal uh so there was you know there's so many great stories um and i ended up really enjoying this olympics probably more than i have in at least at least about 8 years mm-hmm. what do you, think, and, do you think
3: yeah and piggybacking off of what both of you guys said um came into this Olympics not really thinking I was going to watch much and honestly I haven't um, but it's but like you said Wendy um, it's about the athlete story right and the stories of the athletes and their performances so um, I've tuned in for the big performances and um, I can also follow along on Twitter so I see what's right. going on and right. um, it, it seems like you know the USA is dominating in places I mean dominating generally but also in sports that typically we don't dominate as much in so um that I mean that's been interesting to see as well so
1: that's interesting though because that's one of the things that one of the reasons that I didn't didn't think I was going to watch or haven't watched as much in recent years is because I kind of miss the the stiff competition of of the other countries. I kind of miss Russia. Yeah, the cold <laughs> you know, the Cold right. War. You know, war. You know war. what I mean? When it was like when it was really a question whether the United States right. was gonna win or not.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. That's because wow. they're professionals at the time. <laughs> right. <what> we, <laughs> mean, we got
0: all the money too. Right. I mean, I there's a shift. They're, they're, I mean we have all the wealth and uh, that's probably another show. There's still I have an articulate but there's, there's something that bothers me about that when we're not talking about who are the greatest athletes who are the greatest athletes who can afford it. I mean, it's almost like, you know, because whenever you put a price tag on stuff and you're really eliminating a whole lot of people who just yep. can't afford the money, they can't afford the time. I mean, you're a single parent and you got three kids and you are just trying to, and, and I, I mean, you could argue that makes, that makes an accomplishment that much greater, but also money, you know, uh, and maybe that is another conversation. Is it money or is it money and determination what sort of is the thing? Are you just gonna? You don't have the money, but my daughter's got this gift, or my son's got this gift, um, and I just want to get it done. I guess it's a it's a it's a mix it's a mixed bag. But I enjoy the Olympic competition. I, I always have but from the very first. I remember, my father took me to the Pan American Games to see Wilma Rudolph because wow. he was a track and field mm-hmm. guy. Uh, and he and I just remember just seeing these long legs and he, saying, and he must have said, yeah, that's Wilma Rudolph. Because that's what wow. he came to see is Wilma Rudolph run. So I remember that and I respect the, the you know, as, as a as somebody covered sports or whatever, uh, I just respect the effort that, like you said, Wendy, people don't, matter how hard this stuff is. I mean, this, every, you're right, I mean, I joke about the money and all that, but every single sport, every single sport to get to this point is unbelievable. I mean, it just takes so much dedication to get to this point, point. and um, you know, I, I I I I'm in awe.
1: And yeah, and you even you even start to, I mean, you you have to have such a great appreciation. Before I was mentioning that, you know, that same work goes into it. You know, for football, basketball, but these sport, but these sports, like you mentioned, like like you mentioned, are different because they're they're. Just going for a gold medal, and it's not about, it's not there's no money really right. in it in any shape or form unless you you win that gold medal we And it might not be that much even then right. so what is the team, right.
0: what team pays what, what, the, was, what was it uh, what team paid a lot of money there two teams countries and that's the United States that pay a lot of money for first place medals
2: it
0: sounds like russia and China it no no, like no <laughs> one russia and China it was, it was like Malaysia. I mean, somebody oh. paid a lot of money for, for a first place thing. Well, that's right.
2: because they don't get them that often.
0: Yeah, so, so they before yeah, yeah, They've yeah. got store yeah. they got a stockpile. So you got to give some incentive. Hey, listen, uh, our guest has been uh, Wendy Hilliard. Uh, Wendy Hilliard is the president and the executive director of the Wendy Hilliard Gymnastics Foundation. Harlem, USA, and Detroit, and Detroit Starting and next Detroit. month. And That's oh, right. Really? I oh, am. Okay. I'm
2: expanding
0: to Detroit. Yeah. And speaking of Detroit, um, new found friend T.J. Winfrey from you know, Detroit, Michigan, University of Michigan, and is beginning his uh, first year at the Columbia uh, Business School. So, T.J., thanks for coming. Best of luck.
3: Thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You're gonna come. Boy, I've kind of roped him already into our sports and recreation program. <laughs> here. So, I'll be uh, back.
3: I'll be back. Yeah.
0: And, Jamal, of course, as usual, thank you very much for making it all the way from Brooklyn.
1: I know. It's a, it's a trek to that one train, boy. That's
0: right. Anyway, you, gotta get, you know, when we get our 100,000 subscribers, then you, know, you could come in. On like a, yeah, I'll take a car. Take a car yeah, and, and build it. Anyway, listen, <laughs> thank, thank you to everybody. Thanks for listening. And we're going to see you next week on another version of Bill Roden on Sports. God bless. Talk to you soon.